$1,500 a college. Pretty good money. So I broke my wife's piggy bank. About, she had about $35 in it. I broke the, no, I'm sorry, $135. I broke the piggy bank to get gas money to get me to the college. And I got enough gas and food money to get the $4,500, the three fifteen hundred dollars At 45 would hold me, pay gas bills, light bills, till I get to the next college. <laughs> this went on until that whole mess was over. Inevitably, students would challenge Ali on his stand and his convictions. Remarkably, Ali more than held his own against students who had a far better formal education than he. I'm saying you're talking about me about some draft, and all of you white boys are breaking your neck to get to Switzerland and Canada and London. I'm not going to help nobody get something my Negroes don't have. If I'm going to die, I'll die now right here fighting you. If I'm going to die, you my enemy. My name is a white people, not Vietnams or Chinese or Japanese. You my opposer when I want freedom. You my opposer when I want justice. You my opposer when I want equality. You won't even stand up for me in America for my religious beliefs, and you want me to go somewhere and fight, but you won't even stand up for me here at home. Hello and welcome to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val. You're listening to MutinyRadio.fm here in San Francisco. And it is Friday, April 10th. And today's show is about Earth Day and greenwashing and the water crisis in in California and beyond, really. But uh, I'm very happy to have a, a panel of fantastic guests here. Uh, Mona Lisa Wallace, uh, Esquire. She'll, she'll be uh, kind of introducing our panel today a little bit further. But we also have uh, Cassandra Jabola and Jennifer Benorden, who are the filmmakers, uh, producers of the movie Holy Crap. Um, and they're going to be talking about that film and what they're doing with it now. And also uh, Shireen Hashem, who is a fantastic 
founder of Sustainable Fashion Week and is going to be putting in his producing the Eco Fashion Show at Earth Day San Francisco this year, in uh, which will be Saturday, April 18th, happening on 22nd Street between Mission and Valencia. All day long, I believe, 11 a.m. or 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Is it all day long, Mona Lisa? It's going to go all day long, and it's going to be a street festival. I'm really excited in the mission, the heart of the mission. That's such a great thing to be able to bring into our neighborhood here as we are in the Mission District. So Mona Lisa, let us know what, what's going on here. You're, you're a, one of the members of, uh, well, you've been putting on Earth Day celebrations for a number of years now, and we're focusing on some of the major issues that are surrounding this year's Earth Day in particular. What's going on? Well, we always like to talk about the greenwashing issues and, and all that, but um, um, I suppose that one thing to remember is that it was the first Earth Day in April 22 in 1970 when there was a huge, massive spike in corporations advertising how green they are and then creating green policies and trying to actually portray themselves as green. And that's when uh, maybe... I don't know, it was the mid-80s when the term greenwashing came out because a hotel was saying, oh, save the environment, save water by not using towels. Well, then this company's advertising to do that because they're going to save money, but then they were making no other initiatives to save water or the environment at all. It was just advertising. And so people started really paying attention to that and holding corporations responsible more and more. And that's why the term greenwashing started with the towels, but it's really expanded into um, very complex ways that can be really hard to understand when you have discussions about label GMO or not the um, ability to know what's in our food. And so things that are called organic, what does that mean? Um, so we have a lot to talk about every Earth Day, and it's really a moving target to understand what is needed to change, to save the, um, the entire planet and the entire population. All of the flora and fauna on our entire planet is at risk. Um, what we have here in California is a huge, huge, massive drought. It's estimated we're going to run out of water possibly this year. And when you look online and you, you hear about what it is we can do to um, save water, we're not getting the right information. We're absolutely not. Governor Jerry Brown actually even recently um, declared a, a drought emergency in California. Which is interesting because he also refuses to put a moratorium on fracking, which uses millions and millions of gallons of water and chemicals shot into the ground to hydraulically fracture the, the shale beds to extract uh, fossil fuels. So that is, we're looking at these bigger uses of water, not just, you know, a, a, maybe a 10-minute shower as opposed to a 20-minute shower, right? Well, absolutely. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, isn't it? That if we're, if we're going to put our, um, if we're going to put Governor Jerry Brown to task to actually do something about the water supply, then why is the state of California telling Californians, if you want to save water, we'll take shorter showers? Personal use is only 4% of our water use. 80% of it is for agriculture. Agriculture. 80% of it is for agriculture. Now, actually, a film just came out exposing, um, called Cowspiracy, exposing that we are using massive amounts of water, wasting massive amounts of water just to grow alfalfa that's shipped all the way to China to feed dairy cows in China. So we have a drought here, and we're wasting our water to do that. Um, Cassandra, don't you know a little bit about that film? Yes. Um, Cowspiracy, the sustainability secret, actually 
reveals that livestock is the leading cause of deforestation, water consumption, and pollution. And it's that's despite many environmental organizations' relative silence on the issue. So basically, big agriculture is not facing the restrictions that everyone else is, even though, you know, they are consuming 80% of California's water. And just some interesting things that this film revealed are the fact that, for example, you were just talking about fracking. Fracking uses about 100 billion gallons of water every year, which is huge, but animal agriculture uses an excess of 34 trillion gallons. So it's magnitudes greater. And in fact, it takes 660 gallons of water just to produce one quarter pound hamburger. So people should think about that the next time they go to McDonald's. Can you say that again? How many gallons? 660 gallons of water to produce a quarter pound hamburger. I kind of want... vegetarians. I know, right? Well, you don't really have to be a vegetarian. Jen, you don't we love our like meatless Mondays, you know, the vegan Monday parties we'll have, and just one day, just skipping one day a week. Right, it, it does. It, it makes that it makes that those those inroads into it. There's the uh, Factory Farm Awareness Coalition over in the East Bay, and they have a lot of great re, um, numbers and data about what big agriculture contributes to um, climate change, um, you know, and environmental degradation. And uh, I had Katie Cantrell as the founder over there. She was my guest a few months back, actually, because she was a speaker at last year's Earth Day. That's right. So you're talking about cowspiracy, but you also have a movie we're going to talk about um, to Cassandra and to Jennifer about holy crap. (laughs) Holy crap, what's that about? Holy crap is a film that uh, I made back in 2010. It's um, a film about composting toilets in Haiti. There's an organization there called SOIL, Sustainable Organic Integrated Livelihoods, and um, they began innovating this technology there back in 2004, actually. And um, so they were doing a lot of experimental toilets and trying to figure out if there was a way to uh, actually reclaim human waste and help to uh, basically energize agriculture throughout Haiti. And that is exactly what they've done. Um, In the last decade, since a little more than a decade now, since soil was founded in Haiti, um, they've been able to expand tremendously throughout uh, Port-au-Prince and throughout the north of Haiti. Um, And so they're actually doing that. They have an entire staff of almost 100 Haitian people that are implementing this process and um, salvaging human waste and creating viable fertilizer, creating jobs, and not requiring one single drop of water in order to to do this process. And this is so, and and I think it re- that really points to using using our resources in these situations of of dire necessity. Right, because in Haiti, especially, I mean, it's it's such an impoverished place. But especially after the earthquake um, a few years ago, um, you know, it it's kind of it's kind of scary because it kind of generally it's like kind of a compass a little bit. It's kind of just just kind of wavering back and forth, pointing to what we might see ahead for California, which I think for most people it's completely unheard of to even imagine not having enough water, and if where, you know, if, what is it, the necessity is the the mother of all invention, right? Um, So, holy crap, this is what, this is what's working, this is what people have have worked out to do. 
Well, the thing that's so wonderful about the process in Haiti is that, yeah, it doesn't require resources really to do other than some manpower and a little bit of carpentry, but it creates a resource. So it not only saves a resource, but it's also creating a resource. It's creating soil. And there's really no reason whatsoever that we can't be doing that here in California. In my view, it would make all, all kinds of sense to completely eliminate flush toilets, especially uh, particularly in public areas um, where the governor, um, you know, the state itself could implement composting toilets. They could go to Haiti and um, learn from soil and figure out how they're doing it. Um, there's no reason why. And we would be saving, um, let's see, it looks like if I calculated correctly, um, we have 38 million people living in the state of California. If everyone is flushing their toilet five times a day, or let's see, four times a day is what I figured, um, and if those toilets are five gallon of flush, which most toilets are, then that means that we are flushing 190 million gallons of water on every single day. Um, so that's, that's a really great incentive right there um, in, my, in my thinking. I love that. I can totally picture it. Actually, like, can you imagine those rest areas when you're going along the freeway? Sometimes I've pictured, wow, what if we could do the thing like they do in, um, you're doing it in Amsterdam or in the Netherlands somewhere where they're making, um, around freeways, they're making corridors for wildlife. So we don't have just museums of trees because animals, to actually save our biodiversity, we need to be able to provide the animals with the um, ability to move to the ocean and move migrate as they naturally do, like as wetlands with birds and trees with birds. Um, so it would be really cool if rest areas had both like the the um, overpasses over freeways so that animals could move and that maybe they had those composting toilets instead of just the big concrete scary place but the thing that moves around or something <laughs> like that? Well, there's lots of different Why ways not? that you can do composting toilets, absolutely. Um, you can do the dry toilet. There's, there's, there's dozens of different ways and thankfully there's a lot of organizations around the world that are actually finding different ways to transform human waste. Um, in Bristol, England, they're actually creating methane gas and they're running public Buses on methane gas. Um, so it's a resource that we don't like to think about. Um, it's generally thought of as icky, <laughs> understandably, but if you know what you're doing and if you have a if you have the system in place, it's it's something that people are doing around the world, and there's no reason why here in the first world, as it were, um, we couldn't be doing the same. So in those like dream future rest areas, what could they do maybe with the water that you wash your hands with. So right now we have huge pipes going underground near the rest area that go to the toilets because you have to flush them and you have to you have to bring water to them and then you have to have a huge pipes to go out into the into the sewage system all the way into the drainage system through that. So and all the treatment that's involved and the chemicals that are involved in that. So if you would cut out the disposal of the waste mm -hmm. um, in that one way, mm -hmm. so you take that out, you still have the water coming in. Isn't there aren't there technologies now for using that water so it doesn't have to go into the sewage? system? Well, um, what comes to my mind is actually a process that um, one of SOIL's uh, uh members uh, in Haiti created back in 2010 when I was there. Anthony Kilbride um, basically created a catchment system on top of the toilets. So they have public toilets um, and they put a big 
huge buck, you know, bin up there, and they caught a water catchment system, and then they use that to wash their hands with. Um, and there would be other ways, I'm sure, that you could use that water. Um, certainly, we're not getting much rain here in California, so that may not yield a lot of hand-washing water, but that is one yeah. option out there. And even mm -hmm. if we have the water piped in, we can still use that as gray water, use biodegradable soap, and it doesn't have to go through a There you go. We just wouldn't yeah. even need pipes going out, just Absolutely. pipes going in, maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. Right on. So, Mona Lisa, talk a little bit more about gray water, because that's because if we're we're really looking at the the water crisis in California and what are some solutions, and we're talking about possibly doing composting toilets, um, but tell us a little bit about the gray water and the state of of uh, the legality or illegality of gray water in California. It, it is increasingly being investigated, but it is illegal in most counties everywhere in California. It's very it's very expensive too if you have land or if you want to build you know, the tiny house movement we've got all of these all of these environmental issues are interrelated and they're also interrelated with the social issues um, women and um, women and children are affected the poor are affected the harshest from all of these um, dramatic changes in the climate and in um, the economy caused by that I mean the expense and the expense of utilities um, but um, the gray water thing is a really interesting thing because we use water to take baths in, and that bath water is just drained away and into the sewage system. Um, when you water your plants, all of that water is being used to water your plants, your garden or whatever. Why not use your bath water to water your plants? And then now you've cut your water use for your plants away 100% because you're just using your bath water. You can also, that's enough water, but sorry. And you could also use that to flush your toilet. Right. right. I, know, I know people that put a bucket in their shower, then they after their shower, they've got a bucket of water, then they just use that to flush their toilet. Yeah. That, that, that's I something do, we can I all do just that do now. Yeah. We can just do that now. Yeah. And that's, and that's important to point out, you know, even though we're looking at what these, you know, big water wasters are, are, are doing and, and saying, well, what are our little changes going to do? But our little changes can make a difference in our own households. And I think that's something important to, to point out for, for Earth Day. You know, we look at, I think people get a little overwhelmed, but there are little things that you can do for your own well-being and your own family's well-being and, and for the environment as well. Why is gray water illegal? Do you know why, what the... Well, the reasoning is behind well, that? The way it works is really, it has to do with the permit departments and how we run our, like, utilities in every lo local area. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. And in an urban area, there's, you know, risk and control issues and so it's a, there's it's probably a, a profit yeah. loss as well. Yeah, yeah, but let's not forget, Good let's point. not forget. Now, Cassandra, what was that number you said again? How many gallons of water does it take to make one hamburger? 660 gallons, and that's just for a quarter pound hamburger. Okay, so so if, so so 660 times of taking the water out of your bathtub and dumping it instead just once a week, like um, a friend of mine just said, he doesn't look forward to doesn't really like vegan. He doesn't really like Mondays, but he looks forward to vegan Mondays. It's a fun time to get together and learn how to create recipes, new recipes, vegan food. So if once a week, just once a week. You went vegan once a week. How much water would we save in California if all Californians just one day a week didn't eat didn't eat meat? I think too the thing about that and um, and you know the other things we've talked about today is that it's important to feel a sense of personal power. 
And these are little things that we can do because these are huge global issues and I definitely feel a powerlessness when I think about 660 gallons of water for a hamburger. That kind of freaks my system out a little bit. (laughs) And I feel a little bit out of control. What what can I do about that? Obviously, I can reduce my meat consumption or eliminate my meat consumption, but, you know, anything you can do to feel empowered is going to make a difference. Um, You know, and that's all we can do in a way other than advocating or, you know, working. Or making a film. (laughs) We're hoping to recraft Holy Crap to address the drought in California. Um, So that's definitely something on our mind as well. And so what are your plans for that in terms of kind of reframing it or, or drawing it into? I mean, I just think I, I think that we can just find uh, other people that feel that this is another, a great solution, one of the great solutions out there. Anybody that wants to get involved in helping us promote it, we're going um, to take some of our old footage and demonstrate what soil is doing in Haiti and then looking for... Um, Celebrities or anyone else um, that experts, experts, activists activists that feel inspired to help us, um, you know, educate and inform people about what um, this is an option. And how can people get in touch with you? There's a contact um, form on my website, holycrapthefilm.com. Holy crap, the film.com. Yes, well, I'm happy we can put some of this out here on Mutiny Radio today um, through, through the World Wide Web, streaming around the planet on the internet from San Francisco. Uh, and yeah, so I'm so glad that we're all in here today talking about uh, solutions, looking at some of the problems, but also looking at solutions, which is really the most important part. Um, Monalisa, do you want to talk a little bit more about Earth Day? And then um, then we can talk to Shireen about her eco-fashion show. Earth Day's coming up again. So do you want me to talk about Earth Day in general or Earth Day, our Earth Day? Because our Earth Day is kind of exciting to talk yeah, about. Yeah, talk Day. about our Earth Day here, <laughs> Earth Day SF. <laughs> Um, So what's really fun about Earth Day in San Francisco is that we really are kind of the flagship in a lot of ways for Living Green. And um, anywhere in the world that you go, you are not going to see what you see here yet. We have industrial composting. You can go to an ice cream shop here and get a to-go ice cream that's all organic, that's vegan, made with, like, fair trade coconut milk. And (laughs) and, and, and it'll be in a bamboo. (laughs) It'll be in a little bamboo cup, and it'll be so delicious, and there'll be millions of flavors. And then after that, you take your bamboo cup and your little bamboo (laughs) or potato-based starch spoon, and you put the whole thing in the compost, and the compost is lined with the compostable bag, too, and all that goes to the compost to grow more coconuts. That's pretty awesome. So we have a lot of that here as just in our city, and this is a chance to, in just a couple block area, really show off all that good stuff. Electric cars and eco-fashion. Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's bring in Shireen. Thanks for being here, Shireen. Thank you for inviting me. It's uh, wonderful to be here. Um, I actually want to start uh, uh, with talking about Earth Day. Can you hear me? Yeah. So, yeah, talking about Earth Day. Um, 45th anniversary 45th anniversary (laughs) that's amazing Um, actually what I'm really excited about is that um, the collaboration with um, Stern Grove Festival this year oh what's what's that collaboration looking like um, they're going to be in one stage right Uh, playing um, 
the Stone Grove uh, Festival music. I guess um, basically the uh, musicians who play during Stone Grove. Well, Festival. this was a new yeah. this was a new um, arrangement yeah. that we have this year. This and um, year. well, the the thing that's really exciting is that we're also really celebrating local. Artists. Amazing artists. Have you heard Rupa? And the Bionics yes. are just like, I mean, they will just slay you. Yeah, so yes, uh, that's uh, with Bionics, Boca do, do Rio. From uh, they're Brazilian, right? And yeah, Rupa always and the fine. Um, Brazilians April are always fine. Yes, so it's um, a global alternative band, am I right? Yeah, and there's yeah. a lot of local, like a lot of the musicians, we've, we've seen these musicians. These people are, are just some of the most talented musicians in the world, and they're here, and they're rocking out at Earth Day. Yeah, so we're very much looking forward to this world music that will be uh, playing um, from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. All um, day. Saturday, April 18th, yes. 22nd uh, Street. To <laughs> um, in the mission. Right, so I guess I can talk a bit about the Earth, Earth Day um, Eco Fashion Show. Yes, please do. So, so um, you're, pr you're producing the, the Eco Fashion Show for yes. this year's Earth Day. Yes, so it's my second year, and I'm very, very excited. Uh, this year we're presenting five really wonderful designers. Um, I'll uh, briefly talk about them. One is uh, Handloom Nation, uh, A by Anuba. Trashion, Source Couture, and Shayla Esh. So, um, so these designers they have variety of uh, different production. Uh, what uh, what their uh, what they do. So we have a designer who does upcycle. I remember seeing one of her dresses where she put five thousand beads all by herself um, on a beautiful vintage dress. Wow! And so. You know, we have designers like that. We've got a designer who does handloom um, production of of her um, collection. We have um, someone fun. I will talk in a little bit. Um, we have someone from India who's got just a small, okay, yeah, just a, a small team that uh, makes a production with. Um, um, I guess hand dyed clothing and um, organic cotton. Oh right, was, yeah. is that you were telling me earlier? Is that the one who they make the, all their dyes from, from food base? Yes, no, there's another one. Oh, that's a different one. Yes, that's a different one. So much she diversity. Does, in this um, yes, um, eco all fashion uh, food show. dyes uh, for all the dresses, and then we have someone fun um, who I uh, we're, we're meeting tomorrow. She makes clothes out of wires, trash bags, a uh, bag of chips, anything that you can think of that can cause a massive uh, destruction in our environment. <laughs> and she basically reuses them and makes them. So she's probably going to be the highlight at the end to show that you could be fashionable in <laughs> any way possible. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's really pointing out the, the idea of uh, reusing our resources, right. but also really pointing out that there are so many things that that are manufactured that do not are not biodegradable. They're not compostable. We Absolutely. can't just put them into the industrial compost and have them work. So um, that's that that seems to be coming from a you know a double double angle. I like how it's going <laughs> to really drive home that point. Um, and the and the upcycling is a pretty cool idea too. Absolutely, right? it's basically finding new home for clothes that you no longer want to use. So I think um, it's great because um, you know you just don't throw out in the environment. You can basically reuse and you know repurpose and um, find a new owner, new home for this new uh, clothes that you no longer want to wear. And um, 
And I think it's very important for us to also um, point out that you know you could, you can be fashionable and you can be um, following a trend, being sustainable. That's that's the most important um, aspect that, uh, that 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 is a message for this fashion show this year. That is such a that's such a great message, especially you know we're, this is women's magazine here at Mutiny Radio, and you know. We, women are, are often painted in this, in this, into this role in society as consumers, right? Go shopping, get something new for every occasion, every season. Um, but, and, and so it's, it's very, it becomes very wasteful. And oh, so this idea of sustainable fashion is, is great, right? It's kind of like makes everybody happy. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, if you see their designs, they're basically, you know, um, some of them off the runway and some that you will see that are, you know, that you can wear on a daily basis and be sustain and, and be sustainable. So, um, so uh, you know, I, I would, uh, you know, really address upon this for every woman out there that, you know, before you go and uh, go out and um, get another dress, you know, you could see in your closet what's there that you can dress up and you can, you know, not waste, you know, that's very important. And what are, who, who are the designers? Who are uh, we have uh, Handloom Nation, A by Anuba, Source Couture, Shayla Ash, and Trashion. Very cool. So and they're all from different parts of the world, too. So that's, <laughs> that's also another wonderful uh, thing that they're all coming together and, um, and being sustainable in one country. <laughs> um, going back to what you were saying about um, the money that women spend and kind of the role that of women in, in society as being the consumer, um, it is true that women are reported to spend about 80% of the money that's been, because we're responsible for the shopping and sure. the, the, you know, the purchasing of what needs to be purchased to, to get by. And the things that we think about are, we've been talking a lot today about, about waste stream. Mm -hmm. about what's going to happen later, upcycling, saving something from being thrown in the landfill mm -hmm. and actually re-sewing it, making it shorter, making it wider, making it different, combining dresses. <clears throat> it's really fun. It's great for kids. Like They'll take T-shirts and make all kinds of right. cool outfits out of them. But there's also a lot to think about how um, how it was made, so fair trade, local, how much um, fossil fuel ha was involved trying to get it to you. Did it come from China? Was it sprayed with fungicide to um, to keep it from molding on its way to you, or was it made locally? Right. Was it made by children? Was it made by <clears> – <throat> you were talking about the natural food dyes. What's really, really important um, about the, the using natural dyes is that we have very little control over what materials are touching our our skin. Of course. And True. one of our most awesome Earth Day speakers, Stacy Malkin, um, will be there at Earth Day, and she'll be talking a little bit about what does happen when you wear fabric that um, has chemicals on it, because we all know you can get the nicotine patch, and get birth control pills, and all kinds of medications, like, mm -hmm. by just like a, a sticker on your skin, because it does absorb in. So what's happening when we take a shower or a bath, or wear our clothes, or you know, sometimes the dye will get on you, or when you wash your hair with your shampoo, or brush your teeth, or right swallow some of that lipstick. Well, what's happening to our bodies when we are bioaccumulating some of these industrial chemicals? So Stacey Malkin um, 
her book, uh, Not Just a Pretty Face, talks about some of the industrial toxins in our um, in our life right now that we really could avoid. And some of those are extremely cancer-causing, like the flame retardants used in um, children's pajamas. Oh my gosh, that right. soaks yeah. into your bloodstream. And it, um, the, av- what, the 2004 Red Cross study found that the, um, the um, typical cord blood had um, almost 200 industrial chemicals in it. So flame retardant is in that baby's bloodstream before it ever breeze there yeah yeah and uh, it's it's that that's like the, the scary one right like those things well, you I can't mean, see scary. yeah but it's, she it's but stacy malkin though. also um started the campaign for safe cosmetics which is it has a great re, uh, website and and resource for looking at various um cosmetic products and and what are what what's the risk of them in in terms of is it a you know more, more on the dangerous level of maybe you don't want to avoid this product Product or uh, does it uh, do these? Pro- are these products made, you know, either sustainably or with minimal amounts of, of these chemicals that are that are hazardous to our health? Right. And what are the risks? And that's the hard part is really making the connection. Think how long it took for them to prove that cigarettes are unhealthy. Oh. How long did it Decades. take them to prove that, right? So how long? And so, so they make the rule about the flame retardants in the, in the children's PJs. How long does it take to, to prove that that's not good? Um, but what we do know, we can't prove what is causing it, but um, I'd like to just mention one very scary um, fact that um, we really all need to think about, and this is something that does pertain to Earth Day, because although we don't know exactly why, we don't. Um, according to the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, about one in 68 children has been identified with autism spectrum disorder. According to estimates from CDC's Autism and Developmental Disabilities Monitoring Network, um, we also know that um, <clears throat> it is five times more common among boys. Um, about one in six children in the U.S. had a developmental disability in 2006 to 2008. So just think about one in six. Like think of a typical elementary school. And um, then if you look at the, um, and it's very controversial, but there is no longer controversy that it's epidemic. So we have this exponential growth. We have this exponential growth in these children with this dis- on this spectrum of disorder. And we also have this exponential, and this is it goes really into a, a math mathematical curve. You can see this happen. The same thing with the water crisis. The problem with the water crisis isn't just that for really over a year now, there are Californians who've turned on the tap and nothing comes out. Right. Guaranteed they're poor. Guaranteed they're overrepresented by the minority and the um, single mothers. And so that's who's really experiencing it really hard. But um, when when we look at the um, exponential damage, like with the water thing, so we have less water. That means the water that is in our rivers and stream, there's less water in the streams. We have less salmon. That water is also more concentrated in toxin True. because of all our rules about how much um, effluent the factories can put in has to do with well, how, what's the water concentration of the toxin. Well, if we have a drought, that to- that toxin is going to go up. If we have less, if we have um, less water here, we rely on hydropower.
power tremendously in California, so we have less hydropower. That means we rely more on petrochemical fossil fuels for power. And so the, the damage is, is reaches deep and all around and in places where we really can't see. It is, it's very important, even though it might not be the greatest thing to think about some of the scary parts, we really have to start making those individual consumer decisions about what we're going to, how we're going to affect our waste stream and also our own bodies and the bodies of those people who are affected by our purchases. Right. Well, painting that bigger picture. Cassandra. So it's really interesting that you brought up uh, the toxic flame retardants that are in our furniture because there's this other really great documentary uh, called Toxic Hot Seat uh, that was on HBO, and I worked on that a couple years ago, and it's it reveals basically the... It's an expose on big tobacco and big chemical industries being linked together, and that's what has caused this. Because basically, there were a lot of... Uh, there were they were linking deaths from fires to cigarettes, right? And so instead of mm. big tobacco companies making cigarettes um, uh, burn slower or extinguished by themselves, they, they blamed it on the chemicals. Instead, or they blamed it on the fire, they blamed it on the furniture. And so they lobbied for all this legislation, which is huge in the state of California, to have all these chemical, uh, these toxic, they cause cancer, they cause autism in children, all these defects to be put, it, it's laws, there are laws in California that these have to be in all furniture, all furniture, all companies have to do it. Right. And so this lobbied for, um, this film lobbied for California legislators to change the laws and not put <coughs> these toxic chemicals in. So big tobacco and big chemicals were uh, in league together and now there's big agriculture, which is also not being held accountable for uh, their use of water. So it's all these big, you know, it's really about and you wonder, you feel like you can't do anything as one person, but if we hold our our legislators accountable for these things, we can change the laws, you know, because it comes from the top too. There's small things that we can do, but really it's these big companies and no one knows all the, why all these bad things are happening. But can you know? we? I mean, can I, I really, you know, I really want to know. Like, I really want to know why is Jerry Brown not doing anything other than just declaring a drought? That's really not making that much of a difference. And no. Requiring people to, to, to spend less water in their personal use and doing nothing about the livestock industry, doing right. nothing about the genetically modified um, food industry, mm -hmm. and the, the entire paradigm shift to actually looking at problem-solving instead of just listening to what corporate lobbyists are saying. And that's how we talk about everything's integrated. It's all holistically connected. And getting the money out of politics, that's going to be a big step towards saving the earth. Yeah, that's a huge one, especially in, in terms of, uh, you know, Jerry Brown has been advocating for the big tunnels to be to be built from the deltas up here, up, mm. up north and going to take them all the way down to Southern California to try to give water to Southern California. But it was interesting because... Um, um, apparently, the first time he was governor, there was a very similar project that he was trying to push through as well. And you see the influence of money in politics, mm -hmm. you know, 30, how many years ago was it? 30, 35 years later. Um, so these same projects keep coming up with the same interests, big money, um, you know, in, in water and in agriculture and in, in chemical uh, production and use. And so a lot of these things are kind of just, you know, kind of just bubbling right, right below the surface. So uh, I think getting the word out and spreading these ideas and getting people activated, um, I don't think it's going to take that much because 
as you said, Mona Lisa, some people are turning the faucet on and they don't have they don't have anything coming out, and that's in California. And I, um, you know, I know people who are down in Kern County, which is one of the counties that has like the most amount of like fracking that goes on and drilling, and um, you know, their wells are just slowly going down, 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 down. It's a very dry county anyway, and so you you just you kind of see that these effects are happening on a very real human basis and and level and um you know um when you think about it we are water we are made of water we we would not um we would shrivel up and die um without water and and so it's it's a really deep issue that i i have a hard time understanding how anyone would think fracking was a good idea in general let alone in the middle of a drought um but when it comes to personal responsibility and thinking about ways to empower ourselves, what comes to my mind is the, the research that Mas- Masaru Emoto did around water and the consciousness of water. Um, and so when you think about how much water is being depleted from the ground in California throughout um, with lack of rain and the snowfall and the rivers and the lakes turning into rivers and so on and so forth, we have to really think about the consciousness um, that water has, and when you sit and pray by a lake, the, the chemical, uh, the the cell actually changes shape. Um, do you remember it's that? Fascinating. Yeah, it's really it's fascinating. Really, it's you can, cool you can change the chemistry of water with your mind. So I don't really know how. And that we can plays. change our we can change our, our our society with our minds, and we can start to think critically. When that water doesn't come on, we have to really think about it. We talked about greenwashing. Have you heard of astroturfing? Tell us a little bit about Astro that. Astroturfing. So we're talking about Jerry Brown, right? Yes. So if you drive up and down the five, you know, there's that, like, sticky part where it's just, like, you see all this poor, sad cows. Mm. Oh, the Har- Harris so Ranch. You, like, see that, and you go, 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 go. But all along, when you look to the side, you'll see these signs that look like, they kind of look homemade, and it says Congress created drought. Oh, or, right. Or, you know, mm-hmm. right? Because they're angry they like conspiracy because of the rules that right. said, no, you can't. You know, some of the very wasteful... Um, uh, alfalfa and almond and other um, rice and industry where it really just wasn't paid out. It just was just silly that we were using water for that. So when these um, laws finally do get passed, um, not only do these very wealthy um, lobbying corporations um, try to affect uh, legislators by, um, you know, paying them directly through their campaigns or through um, super or whatever the PACs, but they um, they also create these organizations. They did that with flame retardants. Actually, flame retardants came through with this like supposed like parents against like little children burning up from fire because there's not enough chemicals or something like that. I know, they come up with these wonderful uh, yeah. words. Tobacco had a like a, like mm-hmm. a you know movement against a, the a citizens against um, prohibition and right. so they create these fake grassroots they organizations. Right. Yeah. Yes, they're yeah. So now yeah, we all have to think critically. What you buy, in, what yeah. you do, does it say it's green? Who cares? Did it, was it local? Do you know where it came from? Who cares what they're telling you, how green it was, or how much they're donating to the rainforest? Look at what you're <laughs> buying. Think critically. Think for yourself. That's what we start. We need to do. High five. 
High five. Think critically. <laughs> think for yourself. And also put your minds together. Put put your heads together and, and like we're doing today and looking at all these various, looking at these problems from various angles, looking at different solutions and spreading these good ideas is uh, I think where we're, where we're going with, with this. Um, so we're going to wrap up here in just a minute or so. Any final comments for today's Earth Day show for, on Women's Magazine and mutinyradio.fm? Um, Val, I just want to thank you very much for covering us and um, also Pleasure. really just being there for representing the perspective of women because so often our voices aren't heard. In the leadership of the environmental movement, I find it to be very one issue and we really do have a lot of integrated issues here and I appreciate how um, your program does bring that up for all the social topics that you've brought up. Uh, thank you. It's a it's a pleasure, and and thank you for bringing uh, this fine group in today. And of course, all of you are welcome to come back at any time, talk about the things you're working on or things that you're concerned about, uh, make announcements, and uh, we'll just keep spreading the word. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, so, you much. so much. Thank you. So again, you've been listening to the Earth Day show, Earth Day issue, and we'll keep talking about the Earth. Of course, the environment is one of the major topics to cover on the show. Uh, we've had my guest, Mona Lisa Wallace, uh, Esquire. Uh, I love saying that. <laughs> I used to actually, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I used to sign my name and then put Esquire just because I thought it looked cool. Um, but you actually earned it. Um, and, <laughs> and of course, uh, Jennifer Benord and Cassandra Jabola from the movie Holy Crap. Um, and Cassandra also worked on Toxic Hot Seat, which is something cool to, to think about. Um, and that Cowspiracy movie that, that we mentioned as well. All good all good things to, to go and search out. And also thank you, uh, Shireen Hashem from Sustainable Fashion Week. Going to be producing the Eco Fashion Show at Earth Day SF. And the website for Earth Day SF is... EarthDaySF.org. And we'll be on 22nd Street. We're shutting down. 22nd Street all the way from Valencia to Mission. Um, there will be vendors, speakers, artists, activities for kids, drumming workshops, amazing musicians. Please come out. It's going to be wonderful. Thanks so much for joining me today, and thank you to our videographer, Andre Champagne, uh, for coming down to Mutiny Radio on this fine Friday, April 10th, 2015. I'm Global Val. You can check out my blog at globalval.blogspot.com to see what we're up to. And uh, here every Friday, Mutiny Radio. And just remember, just when your aspirations seem outrageous, that inspiration is contagious. Peace. Thank you. Get the power. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Thank you.
Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.Evan. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Want to go to Burning Man, but you don't have the right goggles, costume, or attitude? Visit 20 Mission Hive at 2415 Mission Street between 20th and 21st in the heart of the Mission District. Easily accessible by BART, this collective of unique artists and vendors has eclectic handmade clothing, leatherwork, artisan jewelry, antiques, crystals, and there's even an amazing florist. Whisper pirate ship to your 20 Mission Hive vendor for a special 10% discount on the coolest, most original items in San Francisco. That's 20 Mission Hive with eight vendors and like them on Facebook at 20 Mission Hive. 20 Mission Hive for awesome events and updates. The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk. Come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment wherein both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds.
dry of the super sparks of it. Whatever it is, what's the use? Can you name a better fix? Been on the road for three months or so, and I book and book, and I go and go and go. Let's go to Frisco with the beats and the tea flow. Does my fatigue show? Let me tell you about the blast in PA. They took our money and they stole.
Like I'm under attack, and when you come back, baby, come back. Oh. 